Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. (laughs) Welcome to the session on Rise FM. Welcome to the place where faith and life connect here on Rise FM. This is the session. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And before we even dig in at all today, I want you to know we are going to talk about a difficult topic, and we're going to be talking about the passing of a spouse. Right. So if that is something you have little ears that you may not want them to hear that kind of content yet, then if you might want to distract them for a little, for the next 25 minutes or so, or uh, go back and listen later on the podcast network at risefmohio.com, and you can hear the entire episode. So we are going to talk about five ways to help your spouse through a significant loss, like the loss of a spouse or a child or something along that line. And we're going to be kind of centering our conversation around an article from Alicia Searle from Crosswalk.com. And before we dive into what's going to be a lot of introductory material, okay. so I get I get to play my, my host role big time today, let's start mm-hmm. with a look at God's Word, Tom. Scott, out of Philippians 2 and verse 4, Paul has this to say, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Look to others. Yeah. We have called this in the past at Heritage an others first mentality. And when you embrace it and you put other people's interests first, what an amazing thing that comes from it. Absolutely. So this article, Five Ways to Help Your Spouse Through a Loss, has quite an introduction to it. And I wanted to share some of it here that Alicia Searle shares just to set a context and to set kind of a a bar for where we're coming from today. And this is what she started the article with. After the loss of my mother, grief began to bubble up in ways I wasn't quite sure how to handle. This mix of emotions kept sneaking in and stealing my joy. It made life look hazy and disoriented. I felt lost and alone. And right now I'm kind of hearing a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Wave after wave of grief kept knocking me down. And at one point, I wasn't sure I wanted to get back up. Life kept going, but my world felt stuck as I struggled to put one foot in front of the other. Not to mention I just wanted space to breathe, to be still and quiet, but there was nowhere to escape. No place to sit in solitude and let the tidal wave of grief wash over me so I could process all that had happened. I ended up bottling it all up until I eventually broke. That's what I call Vesuvacine all over somebody. Yeah. After a whirlwind of a summer with no space to seek space, I decided to tackle this grief head on. I booked a small cottage a few towns away for the weekend to gain a sense of clarity. To sit with a cup of coffee and gaze out into an open pasture just to hear nothing but the sound of my Savior seeking my wounded heart, reminding me he was still with me. So that's kind of where we're coming from and where Alicia Searle is coming from 
as we talk through five ways to help your spouse through a loss. Okay. Wow, uh-huh. that's a lot. Tom, your turn to talk. The first thing. <laughs> While you catch your breath, huh? <laughs> first thing, be patient. Grief takes time. You can best show your spouse support by giving them time to grieve and be patient with their process. While it can be difficult to watch your spouse suffer and endure a roller coaster ride of emotions, and that's true. When a husband and wife said, I do, they said it because they liked how it felt emotionally in the beginning, or they never reached that point. So the emotions between husband and wife then become so intense that it carries such weight to it. You know, I I could say to you, Scott, that's awesome, way to go. But if Sherry says awesome and way to go, first you'd be shocked. (laughs) (laughs) First I'd faint, then when I'd come to, no, I would would be very, it, it would mean more coming from her than from you. Yeah, and that's the idea. And it's not that I hold you in any low, any... Right. Low regard. But the thing of it is, is that just shows the uh, a different form of intimacy in marriage that is so close. So if your spouse is, is suffering, it's a whole lot worse to watch them and help them. It hurts on a much deeper level for you because you're watching your spouse go through it. That's why it is so intense. We have to do something. And this leads me to the first rabbit hole. Great. <laughs> well, I'm finding a lot of rabbit trails to take in these We're shows all of a sudden. We're going to have a subtitle to our show. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised what I put on the podcast network. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to look. <laughs> but the first one is this is not a five-step process where everybody is going to grieve, and it is going to take X amount of time for everybody. And I guess I'll ask the, the one question that came to my mind, is the grief any different? that you've seen from people in session, whether it's a loss of a spouse or maybe a loss of a child, Mm -hmm. I mean, is one more intense and deep than the other? It can be. Those who have lost children, and believe it or not, Scott, those who have had abortions and then have come to regret it and repent, it's like they have lost a child. So, it, it is very difficult to think about how you'd ever handle the loss of a child. Because we were never made to, I hate to say it this way, we were never meant to bury our children. Exactly. I think it's important that we realize we will always, always have that memory. We'll always be aware that we may have lost, that we lost a child. But here's the difference, is that maybe we can heal to a point where maybe good can come from it. We had guests on our show that showed that. 33 forever. Yeah, that they they did. And you know what? They still, you know, Danny is a regular part of their life daily, but they can talk about it and use it and allow God to use it for good where the enemy meant it for evil. That is where I guess I want to get this in right out of the gate here that This is where counseling can come in handy because this counseling can help you process that grief in a healthy way. Right. Because there are unhealthy ways to process grief. That's true. And then you don't come back. It's as if not only did you lose a child, but you lose a spouse because the spouse never recovered. Right. Yeah. 
That's kind of sad. All right. So we're going through five ways to help your spouse through a loss here on the session today. And as you can tell, we're maybe talking about some heavy material. And if you're just you're just joining in and you've got uh, little ears with you today, you know it might be best to distract them for a while as we run through this together. First thing, be patient. The second thing is probably the hardest thing for a guy to do. Listen. That's right. What'd you say, Scott? Uh, beg your pardon. <laughs> Yeah, Cassie will laugh at that. She's yeah. like, yeah, I can relate to uh, that. Every, I uh. think just about every spouse listening right now is going, uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's sometimes hard to just sit and listen. Actively listening is difficult in of itself. But when you see your spouse upset, it's an innate response to want to fix it. But jumping in and quickly sharing ways that you believe could help could actually backfire. And this is where my my note right here in all caps is, fixing it? Yeah. How are you going to fix it? Yeah, that's true. I got to tell you this cute story that took place a couple of nights ago as we were getting in bed. Now, keep in mind, my hearing aids now are on the battery charger. Uh Uh-huh. So my wife comes in and starting to talk to me about something that was is definitely my responsibility and she was helping with and she was frustrated by it and so i don't hear the first part of what she says because i'm my i seriously my hearing aids weren't in she said i need your help with i didn't hear that so she's going on with these different pieces that she needs help with and I'm convinced I'm not going to fix it for her. I'm just listening and going, uh-huh, that's really got to be hard. That must be difficult for you. So you're going into the empathy routine. That's right. <laughs> and I totally missed. She wanted me to fix it. Well, that just frustrated her all the more. <laughs> oh, no. And finally, I think she said, I need you to help me with this and you're not hearing me. I said, that's right. Exactly. Hold up the hearing aids. I'm not hearing you. <laughs> and so the next morning when it, it all made sense, I didn't have my hearing aids in and I missed that. Then I said, yeah, you know, I'd be happy to help whatever, whatever you need me to do. But <laughs> so sometimes, you know, when you get a distress call as an example from your wife and she's like, the car broke down on the road and I can't get home and it's a dark night on the country road. You don't want to just do the empathetic thing of, oh, honey, that's really horrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Best of luck. And <laughs> yeah, I hope you've got a flashlight. It's a long walk. No, no that is uh, not, no. There is a point and a need to help. But so let's go back and talk about it when we're talking in the context of grieving. That's when it's really powerful and you don't want to try to fix it. You want to be able to maybe facilitate some of the grieving husbands you can do for your wife. Here's an example. If you happen to have an iPhone, now I know not everybody out there does. It's called iBand, I think. It's a purple icon. And anyway, you click on it, you can literally make a video and put music to it. And it takes pictures out of your picture album. And it's really fascinating that if you do it, just the process of doing that would help grieving. You could follow lines like favorite memories. How about birthdays? What about Christmas? How about vacations? 
and so that they you just help them talk and I have said all my career that we want to bring those thoughts to the light where Jesus is so they can be healed. And that's how healing comes. Yeah. Number three in the five ways to help your spouse through a loss is to offer help. Notice I didn't say give help, offer <laughs> help. And then duck. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then well, respond in an appropriate fashion, yes. Yes. So often grief can consume your spouse so that they forget the daily routines. You may find that the normal rhyme of life seems to come to a standstill. Household chores will seemingly be put on hold, the laundry will pile up, and they may not feel like cooking or eating. Instead of asking how you can help, offer it. Help them with some of the those chores that seem to be piling up. Order takeout for dinner. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty decent at that one. Well, I, th- I think Kathy has told me she'd prefer it instead of you cooking. That's right. <laughs> she wants to survive. I want to keep her around, too. Uh, uh, offer to put the children to bed or take a day or two off work to spend time with them. Then offering to fix some things around the house that need tending. Now they're really meddling. Now no, no, that's meddling. <laughs> but but the whole idea of taking time off sends a message of how important our wives are if we do that. And it comes out of Dr. Emerson Egrich's writings on one of the ways our wives feel loved is that they feel important. When we make what's important to them important to us, they feel important. Great message, guys. Your life gets better if you buy into that. (laughs) (laughs) That will help a a long, long way. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think I see that so often with the meal train at these times because when my dad passed, Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Florida when he when he passed, and it was like time stood still. Yeah, we didn't care about what was for dinner. What do you mean it's raining? I no idea. Everything comes to a stop as you try and process what you what you just witnessed. Yeah, and experience your your mind is at a state at that point of disequilibrium. When we're standing up vertically, we're at a state of equilibrium. Your mind wants to get back to equilibrium. So there's this constant uncomfortable feeling until you do right it's really interesting all right so number four yes okay this is this is the tom russell wheelhouse all right here we go get counseling that would probably be a good idea (laughs) yeah not that i want to promote our own no but it is true if your spouse is showing signs of great distress over loss and you are unable to counsel them it may be time to seek outside help. Voice your concern and let them know they don't have to face this grief alone. And that goes back to a back to listening that we were talking about earlier and understanding and hearing them. And then also we talked about it right at the, right at the outset. This is going to be different for everybody. Just right. because it only took you two weeks to get over Aunt Flo does not mean your spouse is going to get over her dad in two weeks. For sure. Yeah, so be ready to be flexible. Well, and that's true. And, you know, you might not have even liked Amp Flow. (laughs) (laughs) That might have helped why it was two Uh, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. When we're talking about your wife's mom, that is significant. And, you know, Kathy and I have experienced that. Right. And it has been. You know, a life memory was the last day of 
her mom's life when there they're like carved in stone. It's a strong image in my mind. Right. Thankfully, it doesn't interrupt life. And it's it's those strong relationships. Am I right to say that it's the stronger relationships that are the harder ones to get through? I think it's very true. My mother-in-law actually liked me, Scott. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so it was harder. I guess. Bless her heart. She really did. (laughs) So that, that meant a lot. But because the emotions are stronger, when we have acceptance and approval... And then we have existed, relatively speaking, inside of someone else's walls where we are vulnerable, but it's been healthy and safe. It will grow us emotionally, and it's going to have a great impact. And so I believe to this day that always, more times than not, behind the scenes, my mother-in-law was an avid cheerleader of mine. And that was really great. And that would be special for you too. Right. Especially when in in her latter years, she was living with you and Kathy. Right. And if that had been a difficult relationship, that might've been more challenging. Yeah, that's true. And I may not have been as patient. You're right. I see that with a friend of mine who's had both of his in-laws living with them. Uh Uh-huh. And his wife's mom just passed away recently. Well, now it's just her dad in the ensuite. Okay. And Bob and Kathy actually built an addition onto their house to accommodate his, her parents. Okay. And now he just trundles around in there. And I know Bob, I could tell there was not really full acceptance in the family because mm-hmm. like Bob's not all that patient. Mm-hmm. And I continually remind him that you are doing a... Uh, you were doing a scriptural, a biblical work by caring for him. Mm-hmm. You're honoring them, and that's something you need to remember that. Amen. You remember why yeah. you're doing that. So with my father-in-law, he was always in my camp from square one. In <laughs> fact, when we, Kathy and I would go to their house, the women would stay in the kitchen, and I would go find him in the living room, and we would talk about stuff, whatever he wanted to. The last week of his life, I've shared this before, it still is very, very strong and powerful to me. We were going to watch the Buckeyes together on a Saturday. They happen to be playing that team, uh, has green uniforms. Oh, jeez. Uh, Sparta. This is my alma mater, yes. 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 <laughs> and I had office hours on Saturday morning and was going to get in there about quarter, get home about quarter to 12, kickoff was at 12. And he was antsy. Well, he had called and left a message. Are you there, Tommy? Are you there? That's what he always <laughs> called me. He's Tommy. You, you there, Tommy? You there, Tommy? Take care. We watched the game. By Monday, he wasn't feeling well. Tuesday, give or take a day, was at the Cleveland Clinic, and he was gone on Thursday. And the last message I got from him was, take care, Tommy. To this day, that's we're talking 2008-ish, and it's still very real. Wow. So those memories are very real. Right. Very strong. So getting counseling. Now, what are some of the things that we should look for, Tom, if there is someone 
that a spouse should say, yeah, I do need to get them counseling? What, what should yeah. we be looking for? I have always said throughout my career, Scott, that one of the most significant ones that we want to keep an eye on is life interruption. How much has life been interrupted? How long has life been interrupted? And if it's significant, then what will happen is it's very possible for an individual to get stuck in the stages of grief and don't complete it. And so likelihood we're talking about depression. So, you know, if in fact they're not coming out of their room, they could hardly get out of bed, and we're not talking about days or a day here and or a day there. They're good for a couple of days and they spend a day in bed. No, that's probably pretty more normal. It's when it's been 10 days and they've hardly come out. You want to be concerned or a week and they've never come out of their their room. You, they don't want to go back to work. Yeah. They don't want to take over their duty, take back their duties at church. Right. Or if they had a favorite thing they used to like to do and they don't want to do it no more. There. Yeah. Those kinds of things. It's significant to find help. So we move on to the last thing, Tom. And as we, we wrap this up with something that Alicia calls give grace and space, this is what Alicia wrote about giving grace and space. And I'll let you comment on it. These two words are often used in our home, grace and space. After the loss of my mom, I needed a lot of grace, but had a hard time recognizing that. I grew frustrated as I fell behind on everything, lost control and my temper with my children, and couldn't keep up with daily activities. I stuffed down my grief because I didn't give myself grace and sadly didn't receive it from others either. Essentially, my grief was put on hold. There's an example of how they were overwhelmed and unable to function because of what they were feeling. And the regret, you can almost hear her say that she lost control with her temper and it impacted their children. There's a serious life interruption right there. Right. In a relationship that's dear to her. The idea of daily activities, well, if that includes eating, it includes hygiene, those are serious issues that you don't want to see go on and on. And that's where getting them help is important, but also extending grace and love and showing them a reason that they can experience why it's important to get help. Now, that's the grace component of it. What does the space component mean? Is that like leaving them alone in the bedroom for a day or two to let them handle it? Could it go as far as, here's the credit card, I've booked you a room at a cabin in Mohican, uh -huh. For the weekend, you're going to go and spend the weekend at Mohican. I, I think the space really, maybe in the context, it's certainly the former that giving them time to do it. But it, it's also, believe it or not, we as husbands have expectations of our wives. Believe it or not. Really? And I think it's fair to say our wives have expectations of their husbands. Yes. Which we are in denial about. Exactly. <laughs> so giving them space to allow them to be upset and not do the daily task 
and it, it gives them an opportunity to not be dealing with something that is going to be problematic. To, to ask them to deal with their daily activities can be as bad or as difficult as asking someone to anchor the relay team when their ankle is severely twisted and we're, we're oh, I don't care, get yourself out there and you're going to anchor the... No, you give them space to go, yeah, okay, you're, you are hurting. And it opens up an opportunity for empathy. It opens up an opportunity for them to feel cared for even though they may not be able to respond to it right now. So, so yeah, we've covered a lot, a lot of ground in a little bit of time here today on the session as we talk about uh, ways to help your spouse through a, a major loss. As we finish this up, Tom, you know, maybe you've seen this in your spouse or maybe a friend's spouse or, a, you know, somebody that you know well, and you realize this could be helpful to them. And, you know, we mentioned getting counseling earlier. Sitting down with a Christian counselor can be very, very helpful. How can they get a hold of you to take care of that? Well, Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 